Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for listening on. Today, I have a wonderful and special guest for you guys. This is Dr. Michelle Hauser. Please say hello, Michelle. Hi, everyone. Well, she is not only a doctor, she is also a chef. And for those of you guys who do not know who she is, she is board certified in internal medicine and also a master's in science in epidemiology and clinical research. Um, She has been doing a lot of work out of Stanford um, as part of the cardiovascular disease prevention program. And uh, she is a fellow at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And she is a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of experience. And I'm so happy and humbled for her to be on the show. Thanks for coming on, uh, Michelle. Well, thanks so much for having me, Colin. It's great to be here. <laughs> well, thank you. Where are you uh, calling from? I am calling from Sunnyvale, California, so kind of right between San Jose and San Francisco, right on the coast. Ooh, okay. I used to be around those parts in Santa Cruz, so it's a very, very lovely area. It is. Um, I'm sure you miss it. <laughs> yes, besides that gigantic hill that separates Santa Cruz and, and San Jose. so <laughs> That's true. So maybe I'm not right by the coast, but you know, anyone that's not from the area, it's a good description. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. It's like 10 miles you know, of stretch. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I love hearing about um, my guests, uh, their stories, you know, how they originated, how they got from point A to point B. You have a very, very colorful um, background, you know, um, you and I kind of, you know, swapped, you know, directions, you know, you, it seems like you started off as a chef and then became a physician and I did the vice versa. So can you please share with the audience members, you know, how did you arrive to this point and, you know, what makes you, you? Sure, sure. And I'll do my best to keep it to a manageable amount. It it is a, as you mentioned, very colorful story. So it could go on and I will try and keep it linear. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So yeah, really, I, you know, I guess taking it way back, I grew up in a family where no one went in to higher education. No one thought of pursuing college as, you know, a step after high school. And, you know, I always had it in my head that I wanted to be a doctor. And I'm not exactly sure when and where that thought got placed, but it was, you know, it's been there since I was a kid. And Mm. I think going through school, being in a pretty uh, limiting, small, blue collar town where, you know, everyone knew everyone, which, you know, has its good points, but also, you know, if your family isn't uh, one that is thought of as, you know, a a very upstanding member of the community necessarily, then uh, a lot of that baggage kind of gets put on you as well. So Mm -hmm. um, didn't get a lot of support for my desire to become a physician when I was growing up and really got pushed away from college altogether by, you know, even my guidance counselors in in high school, even though I had a 
straight A, uh, grade point average. So mm-hmm. um, really got pushed. And, and this was before, you know, uh, recession and whatnot, but got pushed toward going to work in a factory of which those jobs were plentiful in my hometown. And that was, you know, thought to provide a good income for anyone that was from my background. And I really, you know, never really bought into that, but thought, you know, if everyone in my life tells me I will never be a doctor, which many people told me, then, you know, maybe there's something to it. Maybe I just have unrealistic expectations. So I Mm. set out to find other things to do. And one of the things I love to do was cook. And, but, you know, not yet being quite ready to give up, you know, my, my dream of doing something in healthcare or something to help people necessarily. I, I thought about, you know, what could I do that would help people, but would not require the same educational commitment as being a physician. And so, you know, thought about, uh, at least for my first year of college, going into psychology and maybe being a counselor or a social worker. Mm. And, um, so did a year of college focus on psychology and, you know, I didn't know it. <laughs> I didn't know it at the time. I, I loved, I loved the, what I learned um, in terms of the science, but um, I, you know, had just chosen by chance because I didn't know anything about looking for colleges uh-huh. to go to a pretty religious school um, that had some really, you know, unusual thoughts about the way the world worked and how to treat people. And, and I learned pretty quickly that they were not the ways that I thought about the world or that, mm. you know, I thought was the right way to treat people. And so I thought, everyone was right. I am not college material, but really it was just that, you know, this was just a terrible fit for me, but I didn't know it at the time. So I just figured everyone was right. I need to go with plan B and plan B was, I loved cooking. So I started looking around and, um, at the time I was in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and there just happened to be, you know, recently opened in the last couple of years before that particular point in time, um, the first Le Cordon Bleu, uh, culinary school in the U.S. And so I signed up and I started culinary school. And uh, it was the first time in my life that I really, really, truly loved what I was doing. So mm. I kind of dove all in and, you know, to to get through and pay rent, I had to work three jobs at a time and most mm. of them related to food. And yeah, so that's how, that's how I got into, you know, the culinary world. Well, I should say getting into it in terms of some sort of professional education. Um, my father, as I was growing up and my grandfather ran a restaurant mm. and it was not fancy food by any means, but it was a restaurant, you know, sit down restaurant. And, um, you know, I grew up standing on a, a crate and, you know, learning to wash dishes <laughs> and learning how to make, you know, learning how to make root beer and things like that. <laughs> I love it, was it. Not, it was not healthy. Food, but, uh, I could totally see you doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that was kind of my, that was, really my intro to cooking that and, you know, making baked goods with my mom who really loved to bake. And so I got, you know, the cooking from my dad and the baking from my mom. Mm. And, uh, so, you know, kind of jumping forward then, you know, I'm finishing culinary school and, you know, but that, that thought about wanting to be a doctor was still really nagging on me. And, you know, I had this, you know, for lack of a better word, I guess, epiphany one day where I realized, you know what, if I get to be, you know, toward the end of my life, you know, and thinking of myself as an elderly person and I look back, what would I really regret? And I thought, you know, I'd really regret not trying to become a doctor. And I, and I was thinking, well, what's the worst that could happen? You know, if I find an inexpensive place to start doing an undergrad program, then, you know, I might be out. At the time, I literally found out I would just be out a few hundred dollars. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. not even that much. Um, mm. And um, if, you know, if, if everything went awry right at the start, um, you know, I wouldn't pursue it too long. But, you know, I thought, well, 
the thing I would really regret is not trying. And if I try and I fail, well, then it's just proved that everyone is right. And I would be in the same place I am now mm. uh, with a little more life experience and more conviction that I wasn't missing out on something. And, and if it went well, then great. I might get closer to accomplishing this dream I had. So um, as I was finishing up culinary school, I found my culinary internship, uh, which was actually just, I was looking on the internet, I, you know, it was the first time in my life I had a computer where I could look on the internet for things, which mm-hmm. dates me, I'm sure. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> found this place called Chez Panisse, uh, where this, you know, woman uh, who was a chef named Alice Waters worked. And I didn't realize that that was a huge deal <laughs> at the time. And, you know, just read about the food philosophy there, which is really the birthplace of Cali- what we call now California cuisine, or, you know, trying to really take local, organic, uh, delicious, um, you know, produce and, and things that are, you know, crafted on small farms and, you know, get the best of the best ingredients and do as little as possible to them to bring out the maximum amount of flavor and, you know, really highlight the beauty and deliciousness of plants, even though it's not at all a vegetarian restaurant, but they, they really showed me that all these, you know, vegetables and things that I grew up eating frozen or out of a can or prepared in some other not very tasty way were amazingly delicious. And so, um, so that was my foray into, you know, I guess thinking a little bit more about, you know, plants and cooking, but, uh, also, you know, while I was there, I, I was also searching for that type of, um, place out in California so I could learn more about, you know, using those sorts of ingredients in cooking, mm-hmm. which were not part of French cooking school mm-hmm. really at all. And then also I just really wanted to come to California because I, you know, thought for some reason, that's the place for me. It just seems like <laughs> more supportive of Why not? Why not? <laughs> why not? You know, I was in Iowa. Iowa is where I grew up and then obviously went to school in Minnesota, like I mentioned. And so um yeah, I just, I didn't have a lot of support where I was from. So I thought, where is really far away that I could go, but also, oh. you know, has beautiful outdoor spaces and things and was a little more free thinking and, Cal- yeah. you know, California was the place. So <laughs> we got some so, crazies over here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I felt very at home when I got here. <laughs> yes, my tribe. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, go do my culinary internship at Chez Panisse. I learned pretty quickly that it is a huge honor to be there and that it really was a transformative experience for me and how I cook. But then also realized, oh, if I am in California and I have my address here for a year, I can go to in-state schools and at the time pay, you know, if I didn't get any scholarships, pay like $700 a semester to go to school at a California state university. So it is much more expensive than that now, but it was great then Mm -hmm. um, when there was still, you know, kind of the boom in Silicon Valley that paid for, you know, so much of the education in the state. So, um, yeah, so I got into a little college that I had never heard of called Humboldt State University. <laughs> There's a very specific culture in that part of Northern California, <laughs> which I very quickly <laughs> learned about. It was very colorful um, yeah, yeah. and just loved it. It was great. Um, but uh, yeah, got there, you know, signed up for pre-med classes and 
when I was bumbling along, had no idea what I was doing and met uh, my very first mentor of my whole life who could, you know, help really guide me in doing what I needed to do to prepare to even be a candidate to go to medical school and, um, you know, worked full time running cooking, a cooking school out in the community and then starting a culinary program for the, commu- uh, the community college system in California while I was doing my undergrad for pre-med. And, um, and uh, that's really where I got introduced to this idea of connecting food and health, which I'm sure you have more questions about. But that that kind of brings me to how I started to combine the two. It doesn't really explain why why I chose to focus on that in med school. But I have mm-hmm. been talking a long time. An <laughs> opportunity. No, no, no. I um, sometimes when people are recounting their stories, you know, you get a sense of you know, just a little bit of a fra- fabric of, you know, their overall tapestry, you know, and I like to kind of look at life as, you know, multiple, it's almost like a quilt that you put together a lot of patches, each patch tells you a different story, a different puzzle piece of their life. And um, obviously, you know, I, I kind of get a sense of your theme so far is, you know, you came from a place that didn't really have you know, a, a very strong support system. And, you know, it's almost like you had to fight against a lot of odds. And even, you know, yourself, you, you probably had to battle a lot of self-doubt, a lot of limitations, a lot of limiting, you know, beliefs and things like that, just to get to where you are. And you're not even done, you're not even done telling it, you know, the full story, but I can get a good sense of, you know, the kind of person you are. And, um, and I'm sure audience members would really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, in other episodes, we, you know, talk about emotional resilience and, you know, um, mental fortitude and, um, you know, and you definitely have it. Um, so I really, uh, you know, take my hat off to you because if you had, you know, give it in and, you know, just basically bow down to the naysayers, you know, you wouldn't have venture out this far. So I think it's a huge accomplishment just to, you know, not say yes to those other people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's easier to see on this side. It was very, it did not see that at the time, but, uh, oh, yeah. But yes, um, sometimes it takes stepping out of a situation you're in or, you know, moving past something before you really realize kind of all the struggles that you went through and everything that got you to the place that you are at. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I wanted to add a quick comment. It, it seems like, you know, ever since we both met, um, we, we're, we're very kindred spirits because I actually majored and completed a, a degree in psychology in undergrad. Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, so this is how I had in my head, I was like, uh, you know what, medical school, there's gonna be plenty of science, you know, so let me do something, you know, different. So I love learning about people. So I was like, okay, I'll do psychology, a little bit of sociology, you know, things like mm-hmm. that. And, uh, it was, uh, it was quite, quite interesting. So I, um, I definitely, I definitely, uh, you know, share with you on that. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Um, I'd love to hear more now that we have a better idea of, you know, your origins. I'd love to learn more about connecting 
um, food and health for you. You know, um, obviously, uh, Le Cordon Bleu is a very well-established, you know, world-renowned, um, you know, culinary institution, but it probably didn't really, you know, grounded you in terms of how you cooked applied to health. So how did you make that connection for yourself? You know, you were speaking a little bit about community um, and then ended up applying that um, after your medical training. Sure, sure. Happy to talk more. And I will say it was, you know, kind of dumb luck or I guess by chance that I ended up you know, thinking about how these might be connected. But it just so happened to be that when I was I was actually running a culinary school for um, not in the sense where you go and sign up and you become a chef at the end, but in, I guess, what are stores that are, you know, broadly known. So like a Sur La Table or William Sonoma type store, but that was privately Mm -hmm. owned in the little area that I lived. And Mm. so there was a kitchen store out front, a retail space where people could buy kitchen equipment. And then in the back, there was a, you know, sign up for one class at a time, sort of, you know, come for two hours, have a, an entertaining class, but learn how to cook and, you know, taste some delicious food. And so I ran that cooking school and did some of the teaching, but also got people from all over the world to do teaching on other cooking topics that I wasn't as familiar with. And just to make, you know, the, array of classes available more interesting. And I learned a ton about cooking in the process, you know, how to, from everything, how to make Korean and Japanese food, which I hadn't learned in French cooking school to Thai mm-hmm. to you know, just a little bit of everything, how to cure your own olives. <laughs> you know, it's really varied. <laughs> it's really varied. Um, but what, you know, I had a lot of personal things happening in my life and, you know, had made a lot of personal changes And I think, you know, going through some hard times on my part, I, you know, was seeking a way to, you know, kind of deal with the stress of both a pre-med program and working full-time and all this, you know, family um, stuff going on and and personal stuff going on. And, you know, somehow ended up realizing that exercise was a great release. And so I started running Mm. and really um, that spurred a love of running. And I think I just, it was the first time in my life I was very active at all, physically active. And I felt great. I felt so much better than I ever had before. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, there's something, really something to this health thing. You know, you feel a lot better <laughs> when you're healthy. So uh, I'm going to investigate a little bit more. And, you know, I think because I was trained as a chef and then in undergrad, I, I majored in cellular molecular biology, but my minor and what a huge component of my classes were was chemistry. And so that, you know, combining the chemistry and cooking was very interesting to me. And, um, and reading about health got kind of sucked into nutrition since I went so closely along with cooking and, you know, thought as I read on nutrition and, you know, kind of read all the major papers by, you know, people that I've now got a chance to, you know, work with over the years at Stanford or Harvard or whatnot, um, you know, read their, you know, very well-known nutrition papers, you know, learned a lot, uh, on my own, just, you know, became self-taught in that and started applying some of those dietary changes in my own life. And, you know, then felt even better doing those things plus, plus exercising. And a lot of the students I had since I ran this cooking school for five years notice, I mean, I went from, you know, being a mildly overweight and totally out of shape person who mm. was kind of unhappy all the time to mm-hmm. being, you know, a happier, um, <laughs> more in shape, uh, you know, healthier person. And then people would ask, you know, here and there, what are you doing? And I, you know, I might tell them, but where it really came out in, in the actual class sessions was, um, 
people, you know, would ask, I think it was one, you know, I know for sure it was one time where I had the aha moment was when I was making French cassoulet because I, I basically, I got told I could teach any classes that I want at this cooking school, but I couldn't mm-hmm. teach any healthy cooking classes because they've tried it before and no one signed up for them. And mm. I had to keep the school profitable. So I making French cassoulet and someone asked me, you know, well, what type of sausage do you put in this at home? And I said, well, I'm vegetarian. <laughs> I don't eat this at home. Um, <laughs> this was what everyone said they wanted to learn. So I am teaching it because I know how to do it. Um, and, you know, they were obviously kind of aghast because over time I got to know a lot of the people that signed up over, yeah. you know, for repeated classes. And they said, didn't you say you were interested in potentially being a cardiologist? Um, this was my, you know, my dream at yeah, the time. Yeah, um, yeah. And I said, yeah, they said, Our, you know, we, we love that you're trying to help us learn how to cook, but it really just feels like you're trying to make patience for yourself in the future because you're teaching us how to make all this really unhealthy Ooh. stuff, you know? And I said, you know, touche. Um, but but I, t- <laughs> I told them, I told them, you know, when I got this job, I got told that you all who have been coming here for many more years than I have wouldn't sign up for healthy cooking classes. And, you know, they said, well, and, you know, our challenge to you is, if you do a healthy cooking class because you can't possibly make this delicious, terrible for you food here and then go home and eat something that tastes bad, you must be making delicious food and eating healthy food at home. You come yeah. teach us how to do some of that. Um, and if it's a good class, well, of course we want to eat healthy, delicious food. We just didn't realize that's a thing that exists. You know? That exists. Yeah. Um, but, I wonder what they were teaching yeah. before then. I know, I know. Uh, I think, you know, just pretty, pretty typical things. I think it's just not a skill set that everyone has of making healthy food delicious, yeah, um, yeah, which yeah. is why we, we have our niche, niches, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I like that, that, you know, they kind of challenge you to, you know, uh, do the opposite. So, mm-hmm. um, and it does play into, you know, reinforce that whole role model and teacher type of perspective of, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they have an idea, but they want someone to be able to show them the way. And, mm-hmm. you know, as much as, you know, at the time you were probably, you know, doing all these recipes and doing all this cooking and you're like, yeah, man, I, I don't even do this at home. Why don't we, exactly. you know, eat this, you know, and like it, it kind of feels, um, I don't want to say hypocritical, but it just kind of feels like, um, yeah, it just it wasn't it didn't feel right. I'm sure, right? Right. It felt like a job. It made it feel like a job versus something I was passionate about for sure. I definitely mm-hmm. was not passionate about making cassoulet, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I and I did already feel guilty about it, you know. So when they brought it up, you know, I I I totally agree with you. <laughs> so it was uh-huh, a good, it was a good uh-huh. gateway. It was a good gateway conversation, and um and you know obviously. Things must have went well, otherwise I wouldn't have decided to put these, you know, put together cooking and and health. And so, you know, people came, they loved the class, and then we were constantly asking for more healthy cooking classes. And, you know, as I did as many of them as I could do, and they were always oversubscribed by, you know, two or three hundred percent, you know, at least double Mm -hmm. the people Mm -hmm, that could mm -hmm. fit in the class would sign up for it. And um, so that was great. At least there was an interest and people enjoyed the food. thought huge success great now I can do the things that I like to do and people enjoy it but what really changed my mind about making this a professional commitment on my part and marrying these two loves uh you know um healthcare and and cooking were that so I'm I continue to run the school for a while and you know people sign up for multiple classes they come back people ask me you know nutrition and health questions and I always say I'm not a doctor but based on but what I read you know this if that was me this is what I would do you should talk to your doctor about it 
you're like, oh, my doctor knows nothing about cooking <laughs> or nutrition. <laughs> uh-huh, that's odd. Okay. Um, thought maybe they it was just their doctor or something because in my naivete, having no you know, family members or close yeah. friends or anyone in the medical um, profession. And even my mentors in undergrad, there's no mm-hmm. medical program there. It's, you know, it's right. an undergrad with a few master's offerings. You know, they, they were a PhD scientist. And so, you know, they you know, also didn't know that doctors didn't get any nutrition training. And so I, you know, still didn't, didn't quite pick up on that. But what, what spoke to me is that these people kept coming back and, you know, after a year or so saying, Oh, I did what you told me. And I love the food that I'm eating. I don't feel like I'm missing anything and I'm not taking this blood pressure medicine I was taking, or I'm not taking this antidepressant. Uh, I'm not taking this diabetes medicine. And, and, you know, what really brought tears to my eyes was a story that a woman shared with me one time who she said, you know, I've been waiting to meet you. I've never met you, but you called me or you, I guess spoke with someone who's assisting in the class on the phone who I asked a question about, you know, what to do for someone with diabetes, you know, mm-hmm, what to do with mm-hmm. their diet. They loved pasta, you know, kind of went on and on. And so I just gave them some cooking and nutrition advice, you know, third hand. And mm-hmm. this woman comes in and she said, around that time, my husband was in a coma. He didn't know he had diabetes and ended up in the hospital, um, got diagnosed and, you know, really thought, you know, all these foods he loved, um, were you know, out the window, but wasn't even that worried about that because he really was just struggling to live. And, and so, you know, we kind of threw our whole selves in and tried to get healthier and right. just didn't know where to turn or where to go. And, you know, we got this cooking and nutrition advice from you that you didn't even know you were giving us and followed it to the letter. And the, and that person was, you know, only, I think on one low dose oral medication for diabetes and on mm-hmm. no insulin, no injections was like loving the food they were eating, having this mm-hmm. life that they weren't sure they were going to live to see. Mm-hmm. And she, this woman told this whole class that, and I mean, I'm crying <laughs> you know, in front of everyone. And I thought, mm-hmm. wow, there's really something to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what really solidified the t- that it was important to me to have the two together, but it still didn't convince me that that was what I should do with my life. That kind of what, came later. What was uh, what was the advice that you share, if you don't mind me asking? Um, oh, so it, it was basically that, you know, trying to explain that if you have, uh, you know, foods with fat, fiber, and protein, along with, you know, foods that are higher in carbohydrates, uh, it will slow down how fast the, you know, the sugars in those foods enter your bloodstream and how fast your blood sugar goes up which uh, if you can slow down how fast it goes up, it usually limits to some degree how much insulin is then released by the pancreas to help manage the, manage your blood sugar. And then the less you release, you know, the less chance there's a crash later that you then have to compensate by eating extra food or taking more medications. And so kind of just smoothing, smoothing things out in terms of blood sugar. But it was, you know, it was, it wasn't rocket scientists and it wasn't a major (laughs) change. And then, you know, also gave them, you know, very specific things. So you know, if you're I having think pasta, I, add veggies, you know, things like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, it comes to not just, um, talking about cooking, but it comes with like instruction and it comes yes. with education and it comes with, you know, having a certain amount of skill and talent to be able to convey information for people to literally digest, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it depends on style. And I really think that's where the art of medicine comes in. And, you know, you didn't, you didn't know that you were doing it at the time, but you were 
basically, you know, teaching them on, you know, how to change behavior, how to look at things differently, and basically getting informed. And so when people have more insight about what's going on in their bodies, then they have the decision and choices and tools to be able to make positive changes. And I think that goes a long way than what we can do, um, you know, when we write something on a script pad or offer surgery. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I'm also really thankful to have been exposed to that in a non-medical setting. So I didn't come at that conversation with any preconceived notion of how one should approach, you know, diagnosis and treatment, which is how, you know, we're taught to, to focus on you know, the patient in front of us in medical school. But it, it was really just person to person you know, the first thing I heard from them, instead of having my mind be racing through all the things that I should do and how limited time I have or this or mm-hmm. that, it was really just, I'm having a conversation with the person. I'm hearing mm-hmm. what's important to them. And they're asking my advice, which I, you know, give to them only based on what's important to them. So, and really right. trying to make sure that whatever I say fits into their lifestyle. And, and you know, and, and it was nothing beyond that. It was just really meeting someone where they are. Right. And, And I think we miss that in medicine a lot with all the, you know, things that get piled on top of us and, you know, timelines and limited visits Mm -hmm. and things like that. So it's Mm -hmm. a, it's a good Mm -hmm. reminder. Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Hey guys, don't forget, there's a part two to this. Stay tuned.